When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It is June 27th, 2018. This is the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Justin Labar. Going to talk about SmackDown Live for June 26th. Team Hell No is back, is the big takeaway from last night. Kind of an interesting episode of SmackDown. So, Justin, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a good portion of the SmackDown roster is in Japan, correct? I believe that is the case, yeah. So they were uh, working uh, on, on bare minimums. Yeah, I mean, kind of an interesting show and in how they threw something together that, uh, you know, didn't have access to all the talent. But, man, I think a lot of people tuned out by that main event last night, even with Daniel Bryan and Luke Harper. Um, I think there was a clue when it started a what about uh, – almost with a half an hour left to go in the show, that something major was going to happen. But I don't think anyone saw that coming. I think I joked about Kane coming to be Daniel's partner with the Bludgeon Brothers, and everyone was like, oh, no, he's too wrapped up in politics. He's got the mayor stuff going on. So it definitely was a surprise last night. But all in all, what did you think of SmackDown? All in all, it was okay. Yeah, you definitely could notice that um, they, they did not, they weren't working with the full deck, the full roster. Um, but it wasn't a bad show. I mean, I, I will say that uh, you know there were things that again kept me interested. You know, I, I like seeing Becky Lynch, and she's you know she's continuing to win. Daniel Bryan's never a, a bad thing. You see, you know, the Miz. I mean, so it, it's. It, I thought I thought for what they had to work with, they they probably made the best of, of what they could, and you know, and they, and they and they managed to finish strong, which uh, with the surprise. And so again, we're not having to you know you're not having you know the whole death chart to work with. I think that's that's a pretty pretty big accomplishment. I mean, many many people say that Raw has an entire roster, uh, and 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 put some people to sleep uh, week in week out. So, no, absolutely, man. Um, so for people that don't know, Raj Geary is on vacation this week, and uh, he should be back Monday night for Raw. But uh, can, can we yeah. just say can we just say what what they say about the coach when the coach is going? Raj has been designated for he's on assignment for this on week. assignment. Yes, uh, Coachman goes on assignment. Never seems to come back the better for it. <laughs> yeah oh man um when, so, when, when david yeah. otung is outshining you it's it's uh but then again, but the other coach has such passion it's just i don't i, I think a three-person commentary team is hard i know we're totally veering off i think a three-person commentary team is hard for anybody to adapt to so I'll, i give the coach that it's it's hard to do it's just weird though because Corey graves i don't know if he's got some weird dennis miller like ability to just you know his brain's a computer and he like shoots this stuff off rapid fire. I don't know if he spends his day on Wikipedia and then has note cards in front of him. I'm going to work this in later tonight. Uh, but Corey Graves brings his A game so much that Coachman, I mean, just looks, uh, you know, JBL sounded drunk for uh, his later years on commentary, but 
I think JBL had more uh, commentary gold in the random things he would spout out. Yeah, he did have some uh, maggle, maggle. But you know, Corey Graves does. It is tough to keep up with Graves. I, I probably, I, you know, it's hard probably for anybody who's in that third spot. Michael Cole's staring the ship. Graves has got his one-liners, so it's probably hard whether you're Saxton, you know, Booker, Otunga, Coachman. It is probably a tough, tough thing to try to keep up with with Corey in that regard because he does bring his A game. You're absolutely right about that. And Michael Cole is just on autopilot at this point. I'm sure he's at catering, you know, and it's like that bad Rob Schneider SNL sketch. He's just, you know, the big dog, Roman Reigns, getting some waffles. It's boss time, Sasha Banks. Try the fruit. It's good today. You know? Are you, are you, uh, are you saying Michael Cole is going to turn into the next Brockmire? It's possible. Have you seen that series at all? you got to watch uh, Brockmire. No, I've heard very good things about it, though, with Hank Azaria. Classic stuff. Yeah, no, no, man. Uh, but yeah, Cole, I think, is just at this point, I, if he's not on autopilot, how do you remain invested at this yeah. stage in the game? You know, he's been doing this for such a long time. Um, but yeah, last night on SmackDown, we opened with Miz TV and the Miz bringing out the Bludgeon Brothers. Um, you know, I got to say, Rowan and Harper, I think since they've uh, normalized them and made them more of an integrated part of the roster, I feel like this gimmick has been working better. But it's funny with that setup at the end um, that they're getting that title shot at Extreme Rules against Team Hell No that, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I worry that the title is going to change hands, although I think... Uh, not the most practical thing in terms of logistics, right? Because Kane can't be putting in that much time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, if I see a team hell no winning the titles, and I don't know if you want to see that. I mean, obviously, the big question is Daniel Bryan's contract. We know September one is the date. We don't know if he's resigned yet. We don't That's know, true. you know. So, you know, if you see it, I, I mean, to me, it looks like okay. You have this, uh, this match at Extreme Rules, and then, and then the obvious SummerSlam would be Miz and Daniel Bryan. Because if, if Brian doesn't resign, you at least want to get the payoff for this match that they've been intentionally or unintentionally building to for the better part of two years between he and the Miz. Yeah. Uh, and, and even if he does resign, you still have the match at SummerSlam and you can build off of that and it goes wherever it goes. Um, so I, I don't really see room for why Team Hell No would win this. To me, actually, I look at this as this would be a good, you know, this would be a good thing on the resume for the Bludgeon Brothers to beat yeah. a fan, to, you know, to beat a team that that's that's very over. You know, nostalgia always works, and especially. Um, nostalgia was something that was truly successful and over like this. Mm. I mean, this, this really was the start of the S movement before, uh, yeah. before in Pittsburgh, fittingly enough, where Brian's going to come with Team Hell No in a few weeks. You know, before you know he was shunned to the Rumble at Pittsburgh, which really started, you know, which really took it off. But the the Yes movement really started with Team Hell No. So, um, you know, the nostalgia works. I kind of look at that as, as a chance for Harper and Rowan to get one over on Brian and, and Kane, and it can very easily happen, even maybe by a Miz interference or a Miz distraction potentially. So. Uh, that's kind of how I look at it. I'm not really expecting the titles to change hands, and I don't know if I wanted them to change hands again. You know, if I'm thinking from a Daniel Bryan fan perspective, I don't think him as a tag team champion again with Kane is the best thing uh, moving forward. Yeah, I think it's a short term, huge, huge boost and bump, uh, boost up the ratings a little bit, maybe get some people back watching the product. But yeah, long term, I don't see how that really works in anyone's trajectory uh, for the title to switch to them. Um, I thought the Miss TV segment was all right. You know, I feel, again, The Miz sits the bar so high with these that uh, anything good, you know, is just not great. And uh, still, though, I think Daniel coming out and interrupting them, that match being made later in the evening, this being the through line. I even liked how Miz sort of broke down the, the three-act structure idea and, you know, telling the story of this feud. The WWE normally doesn't get so meta with things. 
they don't and i think maybe part of that's because they don't they don't let things breathe enough because they're just constantly and the, the machine is in full motion but again they've been intentionally or unintentionally building this thing with Miz and Brian for over 2 years and for a p- period of the build it looked like oh my god is this like a real thing going on because Brian can't fight and here they are yapping on a talk show with each other so it it, it, it felt organic there there was no there was not that sense of okay the writers handed in the script and they're executing the script it, it felt like here was the Miz who I don't know, Glenn, if you've ever interviewed the Miz with your media stuff. I mean, I, I, he, I probably interviewed him more than anybody else on the current roster, mainly because they just constantly make him available in yeah. person, phoners, whatever. So, and I, you know, probably over six times I've interviewed the Miz. He's always great, but the one common thing besides him being great is he's always in character. He rarely, he doesn't drop to Mike Mizan, and he is always the Miz, which is why he's so effective with it. And so when he did all that stuff on Talking Smack with Brian, it literally, you could buy in and say, okay, here's this guy who's always a little bit cocky and, and, and abrasive. And he's taking a shot at Dana Bryan, and Bryan can't do anything physical, blah, blah, blah. So, like, it felt truly organic. Oh, yeah. And now, now for luckily now, we're getting blessed with hopefully the payoff that's going to come, thanks to Bryan being, you know, you know rein, reinstated. I've rewatched that Miz promo probably a dozen times in the last two years. Um, I mean, the, one, I, the, the one from Talking Smack? Yeah. yeah. And I still think um, it's, it's just one of the best things I've ever seen in professional wrestling in my lifetime. And then they uh, cancel Talking Smack. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Although with the Fox deal, who knows? There was talk I, of FS1 yeah. getting a show. And I think you will. I think, uh, no, not to jump ahead to that topic, yeah. but I think, I think we will get, uh, I think we will get the, the most honest attempt at a true talk show about WWE. We will get that with Fox. It's not to say there won't be some nudge-nudge at the script and some pushing the agendas, but I think that they will try to make an honest attempt I mean, maybe bring people outside of the Renee Youngs, outside of the WWE people, to try to make it feel, um, you know, feel like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a talking point yeah. water cooler kind of thing. Because we didn't even get a post Money in the Bank show. Um, oh. You know, they're not even doing the the sort of hybrid Raw talk, talking smack after the pay per views now. Um, but yeah, I thought the the Miz breaking down the the Act One, Act Two, Act Three was good. I. Just speculation. I think that's a Vince McMahon thing, and I think he probably tries to justify things that way backstage. <laughs> like Mike Canellis, you're getting a match this week. So here was Act One. You came back to the WWE with Maria. Act Two, you sat in catering for a year. But Act Three is tonight when you go out there and you and you lose a match. And I didn't say it was it was a positive three act story. It's really a tragedy. But that's really the structure I see that we've been telling your journey here to the fans. I don't know what's funnier, your reenactment of that or the fact you think Vince is talking to Mike and Alice. <laughs> hey, at some point, right, in the hall, you know, he probably breaks it down or Mike maybe just hangs out around his office. <laughs> saying, Vince, can I just get a mini of your time? Mike and Maria are hanging outside of Vince's office and Vince only acknowledges Maria. Yeah, it's like, bring Murray in here. Mike, you can stand there. Um, <laughs> Mr. Canellis, Mr. you can wait out there. Yeah. Oh, man. How's uh, he doing? What have you heard? They were both backstage. Uh, that photo they posted, I think, at Money in the Bank, right? Yeah, I think from uh, – I was actually talking about them the other day to somebody. I, I think they are getting close. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of positive in the world. You know, they had, uh, you know, the personal life from, from getting clean to family and everything. So I, I think they probably are, you know, on the radar to get back into the swing of things. It's just a matter of um, – one, just getting back in the swing of things, obviously with live events and such, and then two, for TV purposes, finding okay, what what do we, what do we have for them? You know, uh, as, as something a question that we can ask for several other people. 
Yeah, when I went to a WWE live event in Sacramento a few months ago, I did see one of my one of my favorite things I've seen at a house show, which was uh, Mike was tagging. Oh, I can't remember with uh, Epico against mm-hmm. the New Day, but uh, Big E doing his sexy interpretive dance to Mike Kanellis' theme song was <laughs> something else. That's the thing people might not, you know, obviously smarter. For, you know, the the fans that are probably listening and watching this, you know, house shows aren't real appealing in the sense of okay, we know that like. Rarely is a title going to change. Rarely, rarely, you know, nothing of you know, nobody's making a return. You know, like unless it's one of the big things of like Brock appearing, unless it's one of the big house shows that they sometimes even tell their you know network televised now. You know, it's not real exciting. But I'll say this: if you go to a house show, if you watch closely, you will get to see these guys have a lot more fun because this is they, and many of them will tell you if you get them to speak honestly, they'll say they have a you know TV's fun, but TV's a stressful you know because of the TV cues. But these shows, they get to try things out. They get to have fun. They, you know, maybe they even break a little character, you know, in matches. So that's if you want to, if you want a reason to go to a house show for something to do on a Saturday night if they're in town, uh, you, you get to kind of see them break the fourth wall a little bit. Oh yeah, I mean it's definitely live theater, you know, more so than than TV because um, they're not worrying about where their cameras are. I mean they're just and and they seem into it. I don't think. Actually, Darren Young, the last time I saw him uh, at a house show, shortly before he was released, one of the few instances I've had of seeing someone just looking bored and over it at a house show. Most of the time, I'm surprised how much these guys bring their A-game, you know, to towns like Stockton, California. Shout out to Stockton. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, So we had Xavier Woods versus Rusev last night, speaking of the New Day. And... uh, yeah, man, they're building Rusev for his title fight with AJ Styles at Extreme Rules. What did you think of this match? It did the job, you know. Um, it's it's still a little bizarre to me. I, I'm I'm kind of at confusion because, you know, we, <clears throat> one minute it looks like WWE's embracing Rusev is like they're saying, okay, we're going to embrace the, the 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 fandom behind the Rusev Day thing, and um, you know, he beat the Miz two weeks ago to earn the number one contendership. He shakes AJ's hand. Um, but then this week you have him against a very over babyface member of the New Day. So, you know, and then the promo afterwards. So I, I, I don't know if, it, if where the schizophrenia or who the schizophrenia is with internally of, 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 of where he is. I mean, I know he's facing a babyface champion in AJ, but certainly we've seen face versus face before. So that's what's kind of throwing me. But nonetheless, it's good for Rusev. I, I'm not expecting Rusev to win the title at all. <laughs> but it will. It's it's good. It, but it's still not a bad thing that you're in a title match for pay-per-view against AJ freaking style. So I'll be very interested, you know, I'll be there live watching. I'll be very interested to see, um, you know, how much they give Rusev, what kind of, you know, what kind of a match it is, how long does it go, what kind of offense they get in, what, you know, when the match is over, what do I feel about him? You know, do I, do I feel like he's going to get, he's going to stay in the top part of the card or is he just going to get recycled back through? It's, it's really the opposite of Raw, right? I mean, if you look at SmackDown, and SmackDown's been on this hot comeback streak uh, for the better part of the last six months, giving us Shinsuke versus AJ, giving us now Rusev versus AJ. Uh, meanwhile, on Raw, it's still Brock and Roman when Brock is even mentioned or shows up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really, you're right. It is, it is very opposite. Yeah, and I mean, I dig that. I like that they're listening to it. This will be this will be a good program, and I think uh, it already is. I mean, it's already been very, very entertaining. Um, so we'll see. But Rusev, yeah, got Xavier to tap out with the accolade last night, and I think he's going to win and win and win until he loses to AJ Styles. But hopefully, the match is fantastic. Um, that'll okay. be a fresh. That'll be a fresh match. Too. Oh, I mean, maybe yeah. maybe they have a live event, but I I don't think we've ever seen that on TV. Didn't we maybe once, or maybe it was a tag or something, but I seem to recall some variation uh, in the last year. Who knows? It's hard to uh, keep track. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. 
unable to compete last night due to an injury, so his match with Jeff Hardy postponed. Is it true what Meltzer said that he was bit by a police dog at leaving the arena in Bakersfield? I mean, if Meltzer's throwing darts against the wall, that's a hell of a dart to throw on that one. I, I mean, I, I assume that that's real. I don't know why, why he'd make that one up or how how he or how one of his sources would give him would would. You know, the, 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 the bad reception on the phone, uh, all of a sudden he, he misinterprets it's bitten by a dog. Um, yeah, yeah no, no stereotypes about Bakersfield, California, but that sounds like the most Bakersfield shit I've heard in a long time, you know? I mean, like, I have family that work in the police. I've been around police dogs. They're pretty well trained. I mean, they, they usually don't, like, do anything like that unless provoked. It makes, <laughs> me, makes me wonder what the hell does Shinsuke Nakamura's leg smell like? It's true. I mean, how does that even... Maybe it's just the, the, the body wash I used that day. I don't know, but, like, what... I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty wild story. A dog bites your... A, 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 drug, a drug dog? I don't know. A police dog bites your leg? I think uh, WWE Storytime needs to get into rush production on animating what happened here because I think the people want to know the details. Shinsuke said, no speak at English, or the dog got mad, and then Shinsuke went, come on! <laughs> Man, I mean, no one tries to pet a police dog. I don't know. It's just, it's very weird. I need I need more more details in the story. Being, um, bit, being bit by a police dog backstage at a live event sounds like something Enzo Amore would have said happened to him. That absolutely does sound. Did you listen to Enzo's uh, interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin? I did. I read the transcript, uh, and then actually, it's funny you said this this morning. I actually, <laughs> I don't know why. I the curiosity just killed me. I finally read the lyrics, and then I listened to the rap song that Shin, or that Shinsuke Enzo, the real one, excuse me, did. Read the lyrics first so you can just try to like read them and, and understand them, and then listen to the, if you dare. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, 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 wait. I can't get that five minutes back. I thought the podcast, I, I, I go back and forth. I mean, I'm just angry. I don't know if I'm angry at him. I'm angry at the situation. I'm sad. Like, I feel these emotions, but listening to that interview, he says a lot of stuff where it's, and every time that I feel something positive towards him, it's like, yeah, but you screwed this up or yeah, but then this happened. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I know this is still, you know, going to be a cloud hanging over him forever. Uh, do this allegation. But uh, I just think this whole thing, I mean, it's, it's just tragic. His situation, cautionary tale, both him and Cass. Um, it stood out to me the the things that he said in that interview. And again, if and if and if, and if 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 it truly is the case that where you know he was unfortunately the the accused in a in a very false situation, you know, I do feel yeah. bad for him. But it, yeah, but then when you when you hear him saying the comments that he's like like when he says to Vince like you know I deserve better than this, or I think he said when he got fired he was like you know you know your loss not mine. It's like those are things you can think, but don't you know like if you like. Is that, do you really say that in the professional world? I don't know. You know. Well, well, but again, you know, it's his version of reality, and I think he is some very, some very much someone living the gimmick. Um, did you uh, listen or watch uh, the Simon Gotch interview where we talked about Enzo's rap song? Uh, again, no. I read the, I read a transcript saying that he's either is either something something or a monster. I think was yeah. He's either a terrible human being or a monster. Uh, but if you go back earlier in that, and man, now I hate to say it, but my thought watching the Gotch thing was like, I really hope some promotion books Enzo versus Gotch because there's so much real life heat between these guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, hell, Ring of Honor, TNA could probably do something with it. But uh, I thought what was fitting is that Gotch talked about that Enzo sees himself like uh, Snoop Dogg coming out doing murder was the case at the, <laughs> at the VMAs. Uh, that's how Enzo saw Phoenix. <laughs> you know, like this was his moment to, you know, blow everybody's mind, set the record straight, clear his name. 
<laughs> you know, and Sniff Dog, you know, I don't know, a rap icon does hip hop for a living. <laughs> Enzo, it just sounded just, you know, bad. I don't know. Yeah, I watched the thing he talked about uh, that he released on his Instagram story, that nine minute long homage to do the right thing. And I, I have to say this, okay? So even if you think Enzo is a total shitbag person, which I know a lot of people do and they will forever think that because of the allegations against him. If you watch this and you see he did one take and he's doing like this part monologue rap thing where he's talking about politics and society and he's really like breaking it down on multiple levels, all I could think was like, again, you know, this is either really sad or just this guy wasted an incredible amount of talent that he was able to pull something like this off. You know, talking, uh, I don't care if it was memorized top of his head or what. Either way, you watch that, you look at the stuff you put into filming it. I mean, yeah, it's just, this is, uh, again, you know, it's it's just either the biggest self-inflicted wound we've seen in quite some time in this business or, uh, you know, the most unfortunate set of circumstances that happened to a guy. The guy is definitely talented. <clears throat> that should never be lost in any of this. Um, you know, it, again, it sucks that he got, even got called up and even, even in this potential situation to be even put potentially in the, you know, it's sad that he's even having to deal with that. And, and maybe it's something to him that he needs to learn from of, you know, beware of the company you keep, but all that judgment aside, um, you know, the dude is super talented. It is unfortunate that he's not, you know, that he's not able to have those talents be continued to be exploited and, and utilized and make him money in WWE. You know, I, I'm, that's why I'm a little bit surprised when he says, and of course he wouldn't be the first wrestler to say this and go back on it. I'm a little surprised when he says he's never going to get in a ring again and that he's just moved on from that. Because to me, it's like, well, you just have—I mean, not that you can't use your gift for gab and charisma in other ways, but it just seems like this in pro wrestling is just a natural with you. And again, pe some people have made their mind up about him, and and so he has heat with them, whether he deservedly has, whether he deserves it or not. So use that for pro wrestling. That's that's pro wrestling, right? Is is emotion and heel and face. So to me, it's like go use that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah. If you like kinda... watching him get the crap kicked out of him before, if you think yeah. that thoughts about him now, you're really gonna love Simon Gotch beating him up. Right, so that that's a little shocking to me that you know, because I'm sure that he would be able to get some nice paydays going to you know whether it's Impact or wherever. So that surprises me. I'll you know I'll I I I'm wait to see if he really holds to that. But you know who knows? Yeah, we'll see, man. Um, so back to back to SmackDown. Yeah, but I recommend to people, um, you know, if check that out. If if you're a fan, if if you if you're still forming your opinion of the situation that interview was definitely something else on stone cold's latest podcast and with shinsuke nakamura well we'll find out what happened between him and the dog uh anyhow this led to last night a u.s uh title open challenge between jeff hardy uh man his makeup is on point lately his makeup i mean no offense to jeff hardy but his makeup used to look good but not great uh now i think he's bringing it with finn balor gold dust and the best of him uh, doing this open challenge last night with Eric Young from Sanity. Sanity, I mean, man, what they debuted last time, uh, last week, and uh, they had this interference by the Usos. So Eric Young won by DQ, but he still lost. And Sanity still got a loss their second week out. Uh, yeah, this one's kind of baffles me. I, you know, I know that somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose, but uh, you know, I'm just yeah, shocked to see Sanity, uh, all three of them, in, in this once once they made a six man lose. Yeah, it became a tag match. That's right. Yeah. Um, and back to Jeff Hardy's makeup, I gotta say it, it is on point, and it, you know, it makes me, you know, I, I it makes me feel, it makes me go, okay, look, you know, I have, many, any wrestler that's had extensive makeup can, you know, that, that wear extensive makeup as part of their character can tell you, it, it looks awesome. The whole effect with his eyes shut and everything, it looks awesome. And now every time they need you just for a promo, even if you're done wrestling for the day, or even if you're not even needing the ring now, every time they need you for a promo or to record something for digital, whatever, you gotta get that damn get up on. 
Now, so now he's so now he's set him up. Now he's set himself up where he can't hang, he can't just hang out and catering. Now he's got to get that damn thing going and he's got to get get all the makeup on, you know. But hey, props to him for commitment to the character. It looks really good. Well, it's like that every time you would see Goldust backstage or they'd have a run out, and you think, is Dustin made up every week backstage, or did they just tell him like, hey, we need you in the background of this shot, get in full dress, you know? Right. Yeah, because yeah, it's a lot of effort for uh, not being used. Uh, I, don't, so they, I, I don't, I don't blame yeah. the demon. I don't blame Finn Balor's demon for not showing up, but only for the major pay-per-views. It takes like hours to get that crap together. So what is going on with that? I keep seeing that come up again and again and again. What is going on with Finn and the demon? Cause uh, we haven't seen the demon in quite some time. Well, it's one of those things to where, you know, we haven't seen it in a while, but it's like it, when you have an alter ego like that, you know, one, I think we have an alter ego like that. This is what it is for me. Finn is a really good performer in the ring. But once I see the demon alter ego, it makes then regular old Finn just kind of bland to me. But um, but it's like, you know, once you have that alter ego, you can't show weakness in that alter ego, else that alter ego doesn't matter anymore. And we've seen the demon lose. We've seen the demon have some weakness since coming to, since leaving NXT. So I don't know, I don't know where the value, you know, I don't know when we see him next. I'm not sure what the, when he, when he, when he becomes a demon, something different and special needs to happen. But I haven't entirely seen that, so. It's the Teen Wolf paradox. Michael J. Fox wanted to prove to himself he could win without becoming the wolf. So I still think, you know, Finn just needs to say something like that, and it'll all, again, fall into place with context. I haven't seen that movie in so many years. Now you're going to have to go back and watch that. Oh, it is not aged well. It's aged terribly. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's not, I mean, it's not the Michael J. Fox of Back to the Future. That's the Michael J. Fox in Teen Wolf. It was like he's doing a serviceable job, but this is not America's sweetheart in that film. And he didn't go with the blonde because the blonde, you know, she wasn't a good person. He went with the he went with the best friend brunette, right? Yes, yes. Oh, Teen Wolf. Um, so it became a six man tag last night, and Sanity versus the Usos and Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy and the Usos won. Uh, Jeff hit the Swanton Bomb on Wolf for the pin. How are you feeling about Sanity in Week Two when uh, they're losing? I, well, it doesn't look good that Sanity loses in Week Two, and they lost by a guy who looks crazier than them. Uh, yeah. Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy looked like he could be part of Sanity. <laughs> you know, like I mean, he could be the. Uh, you know, I don't know, really know what it didn't really do him any favors. Again, I know that you know somebody has to win and somebody has to lose, but that's supposed to be the magic about pro wrestling. They're supposed to book in, in a way and have you can have finishes in a way that, that leave more to be desired, but nothing was left to be desired about Sanity when this is over. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, so Becky Lynch versus Sonya Deville. Someone uh, DM me on Twitter and said, you have to refer to Sonya as the pride fighter. And I was like, that's good. I'm going to gonna do that. Um, Sonya is looking great. Oh, because she's, because she's a, she a, les- she a lesbian? Uh, she is, but also it's pride month. Oh. And uh, she was wearing her pride ring gear. So, uh, oh, that's right. She was. Yeah, that's 89 right. the brainchild tweeted that at me. And I was like, yes, I like that. That's nice. Um, but no, I think, uh, and her interview, by the way, with Lillian Garcia, on Lillian's podcast was really, really good. She interviewed uh, all of Absolution, but I think Sonya's story is really worth listening to. Um, but Becky Lynch last night, continuing this winning streak, um, let's talk about this match last night. Well, I want to get your thoughts on that, but then uh, beyond that, I want to jump off and talk a little about where they're going with Becky from here. So what did you think of the, uh, this match last night? Well, let me start with the entrances. I want to give some – I love the uh, – I love the spotlight strobe on Sonya Deville, and she does a shadow boxing real fast for like – Five, 10 seconds. I think that's a great. It just she looks like a badass. It looks cool. It's a great visual. It's something that you know looks fitting for somebody who, who you're who you're you know presenting with with legitimate fighting. You know, looks like somebody you could have, you could have gave to Bobby Lashley or Ken Shamrock or anybody that has that that real fighting. So I love the entrances, specifically that. 
Yeah, Matt, uh, you know, Becky Lynch is on a roll. I am surprised, though, in the fit. I mean, she made Becky made Sonya tap, which that that's what kind of surprised me. They have it. They chose to end it on a, on a submission when, again, Sonya kind of has like this, again, like legit fight thing. To, I don't know. The, 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 the finish was not what I expected, so to speak. But, um, you know, I, I'm a big Becky Lynch fan, so I am interested to see where the, where the hell they're trying to build to with this. Yeah, I mean, Charlotte is out until uh, she can be back by Extreme Rules, or you think they'll hold her off until after that? I would hold her off. There's not really, I don't, I don't know what you have for her. So. Yeah, so the question is I see, I really think Becky's future is tied to Charlotte's at this point, because if they're going to Charlotte versus Carmella next, that means Becky's not getting a title shot. Maybe they put her in a feud with Asuka. If they're going to keep Carmella and Asuka going, does that mean. We open up this women's tag idea because Becky and Charlotte are the most obvious choice. Um, you know, I'd love to see Becky put right into the title picture, but just my, something in my heart tells me that's not going to happen. Uh, partially because the fans want it so bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where they go with Becky. It, you know, it, it, it does kind of seem like both title pictures, Raw and SmackDown, are kind of on a lockdown at the moment. Um, you know, so I don't know where they go. I mean, it's they 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 seem to have a plan with Becky because the fact that she's the fact that they continue to make sure they get her on TV every week, she's getting uh, wins that mean something. They have an, an end goal. I don't know what that end goal is, but they see something. So that you know, yeah, so it may be very possible that something in in the works that we've talked about in the past, like a woman's only show, that she's going to have a, a focal point to that. Um, you know, the May the May Young Classic was going to be coming up later this summer. I, I, not, not that she would be in it, but maybe. Maybe something of a winner from that, something with Becky. I don't know, but it certainly seems like they have some in-game plan with Becky right now because they are they are committed to her. And when they're committed to somebody, again, that's usually not by accident or coincidence. Yeah, although to play devil's advocate, maybe it's that they knew Charlotte was going to be unavailable. Um, they need something, some baby face out there because, I mean, Asuka doesn't get that kind of reaction. That's true. No, it's a great. It's a great it, that, that might be. It might be as simple as that. You're right. That that is a very good point because, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. Oscar's a different kind of. Uh, different kind of baby face with them so and, and becky gets dark matches when she's not on smackdown because enough of the fan base comes out to see her that they need to put her out there in front of the people um but no i thought that was good last night speaking uh of uh, women's tag teams backstage lana and naomi still talking about the dance-off six weeks later uh interrupted by the cast of below season two dropping on netflix this weekend um allison Bree's terrible russian accent might be better than lana's well-practiced uh oh, bite your tongue <laughs> go go use a go use a go use a, a wipe whatever those wipes are what are you talking about <laughs> lana, lana's accent's great what would you remember us to do it you know <laughs> you're, you're the one embracing teen wolf and when a guy's a teen and a guy's a wolf she could be american and then she could be russian whatever, whatever it's true she, she could switch uh, if, if finn can be uh Finn could be Finn, and then the D. We we getting held up on an accent here. That sounds like a Vince McMahon storyline. Like Lana, she's <laughs> schizophrenic, and sometimes she slips back into this Russian accent. Complicated backstory, you know, about her growing up in post-Soviet Russia. Uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, you know, whenever they do these celebrity cameos, it's always awkward. I mean, I love Glow. I love all of uh, the women that they had there backstage. But even with that, I was kind of like, oh, these feel so forced. Where was Awesome Kong? Yeah, I didn't see was her. She was she standing? I, I didn't see she her. She may have been there. I, um, I, mean, she, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't see her. But what's weird, so much of the cast of Glow, because one, show takes place in the 80s, and two, you know, they have these over-the-top wrestling personas. You put them just in their regular going-out attire, and you can't recognize 70% of them. 
No, you're right about that. It was they, you know, I was trying to match. You know, I was trying to match. I remember who was who, but that's that's what I think made me notice. Where the hell's Kong? Yeah, yeah. No, she definitely stands out. <clears throat> I wonder if she didn't. I, I wonder how her relation is with the WWE because I, she probably doesn't want to do it anymore. I listened to her interview with Mark Mayron of all people, but I would think she would be a great, you know, comeback for uh, you know, if not a match. A cameo, something. Um, she's still someone that the fan base likes. I think uh, you never hear a bad word about her. Um, no, and she's no. one of the stars of uh, Glow on Netflix. No, she's uh, she's very pretty well liked. Uh, um, I, one or two times I met her, nice person, but she's pretty well liked. I think in the business. Um, so me, I, I don't know what I think. Maybe it's the fact that Glow and, and her acting career is taking off. So she's like, you know, well, if I can make money and not have to bump, you know, for real, then. Uh, do it, but yeah, I mean, you know, awesome Kong. I mean, you know, you, again, just because of her physical presence, you know, you think, okay, Ron can can put her with Oscar, put her with Ronda Rousey, more more viable threats for these for these um, for these tough babyface women. Yeah. Um. So we saw last night James Ellsworth wearing Oscar's mask. Uh, interaction with Ty Dillinger. Man, poor Ty. But at least he's getting some some TV time. Um, we had a confrontation with Ellsworth and Paige in the ring and setting up a match between Ellsworth and Asuka next week. Which I am really excited about, and I'm dead serious. Wait, well, how long do you think that's going to go, that match? <laughs> I mean, I can probably get a few minutes of cat and mouse out of it. Um, I don't know. I'm looking for as soon as soon as Ellsworth came back, I was like, all right, I can't wait to see. You know, he just you know helped screw Asuka. I can't wait to see when Asuka gets to beat the living crap out of him. No, I mean, good on him for, uh, you know, extending this. And it looks like if you listen to his podcast, um, not a one-off. I mean, until uh, he's there, until he's not, basically. So uh, they're giving him stuff to do. Ellsworth has a podcast. Uh, he does, yes. Well, I thought a loop. Yeah, everyone has a podcast now, Justin. They do. I should have just assumed that. I, I, I wasn't trying to be shitty towards those. I just didn't know. And it's just tough to keep track of, I guess. Yeah. Um... Although now his podcast definitely, I mean, you know, part of it is that we talked about this before guy, probably a model former employee and how he went out and just kept putting the WWE over and thanking them ever since he left. There was no James Ellsworth shoot interview where, you know, name names and talk shit. Um, So I think, yeah, he's very uh, affable and very, uh, you know, the positive and everything he has to say, but sometimes it always doesn't make for the best podcast. Right. It's just, oh, great people. Oh, I'm really happy to be working with them. Oh, it's really good. You know, it's just kind of like, uh, it's like uh, fans know when we had Heath Slater on here. It was fantastic, but Heath so much could not say anything that would be remotely controversial. That just everything is just a overwhelmingly positive statement with very little substance. Well, that's why if you're a talent, I mean, hell, do you do, wait and do a podcast when you like really know that you're done with your WWE runs. Not, not to talk crap on them, but just because you can just even tell honest, funny stories that you just wouldn't necessarily want to tell if you have to go back and look, look the bosses in the faces anytime soon. So, uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I get good. I mean, get yeah, good for him for at least also, you know, it's because some guys when he got let go when he did back in what was it like. Uh, October or whatever. I mean, some guys probably you know could have gone out and been bitter, and been like, oh, you know, I, I had more to offer, and they don't, they don't, you know, they can, could have been unappreciative. So good for him that he did stay appreciative and realized that he got way more of a run than anybody ever pictured. Oh yeah, yeah. now he's oh, absolutely man. Uh, so last night we saw Andrade Cien Almas backstage with Zelina Vega talking about they put Sin Cara on the shelf three weeks ago. Sin Cara, yeah, injured, so that feud ain't going nowhere. Um, said others in the locker room will stay out of the way if they know what's best. What do you do with Andrade Cien Almas at this point? 
well, you find him on a, you find him something, you find him an opponent that he can build off of each week. I mean, this is a case I think of, you know, and I understand fans' frustrations, but I'm just trying to put some, I think, some understanding to it. I think this is a case, same thing with Ty Dillinger, where, you know, people wonder, okay, why do they have these guys and they don't use them more? And I think you got to remember, look, you know, TV time is what it is. You know, you're going to have people that are going to be in multiple segments for multiple matches, and you're going to show replays. So TV time, you know, gets filled up quickly. But you need to have these extra guys and girls to fill out the live events, to fill out, you know, your, your roster so that way you can get people in the building to have a full live event uh, on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday in the SmackDown's case. So I think that's the case of Almas. You know, they called him up from NXT, and they just don't necessarily have the perfect thing for him. So it's almost like rather than putting him out there with, you know, wasting time against, you know, in pointless matches or against, you know, local talent jobbers, you know, they're just doing these promos to kind of just keep people reminded of him and seeing him on TV. But really, he's being used for live event purposes. Same for Ty Dillinger, same for a lot of guys. It's just, you know, they'd rather have more people around so that way when somebody does get injured, they have somebody to plug in versus not having enough people and you're running out of running out of a roster. It, it, again, I'm not saying it's fun and it sucks for those particular people, uh, but I think that's just what the case of WWE is now. They have so much going on, they have to keep extra people around even when they're not being used. Well, it's like in their back pocket, they could have him answer uh, Jeff Hardy's open challenge, and they could right. probably put on a hell of a match. Well, but then, but then it's a case of, okay, I mean, it's, it's no different than the Sanity thing. So then they come yeah. out, Jeff beats them. What does that do for Almas, who, you know, yeah, brand new? So it's, you know, so it's, um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess at least, I guess at least you could say with Sanity, okay, at least, this, at least all three of them got beat by three other people, and then at least in the one-on-one competition, technically, yeah, the guy from Sanity did get a win technically. So, well, that's probably, how they, that's probably how they look at it, I guess, in the justification. I mean, also there are rare occasions. I mean, look at Sami Zayn when he uh, answered John Cena's challenge. I mean, a match like that can, I think, make somebody while losing. Um, and I think Andrade has it in him. Sure. You know, it just needs the right opportunity. Uh, I know we're going to talk about this. Is uh, you know the news? Uh, Rey Mysterio is still not signed with the WWE, but I'll tell you, man, Andrade and Rey, I feel like. Would, would be pretty darn good. Yeah, and uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we get that. I, I certainly, I don't, I certainly expect Ray, having seen the cameos he made already this year, and um, I certainly expect him to, in lieu of this uh, video game promotion, that we'll see him wrestle another match with WWE, whether it's you know at a Mania or you know a network special or something. So yeah, that could definitely be if they build uh, all this up and you know, they give him some momentum leading up to that point, that could certainly be something that uh, is, is fun to watch. And again, you know, they, they like to, if, it, if it's meant to uh, target the, the Mexican market, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, but yeah, that could definitely be a match that I think is possible to see happen uh, sooner rather than later, seeing that Ray is going to be working with WWE in some capacity again. You might have access uh, to some more of this information. I can't remember where I read it, but if, if not the biggest... Um... No, that's what I'd read in, in a few places, that the Latino market in America is the biggest single demographic consumer of WWE product. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, I've heard that same thing, and I've, I've, I've read some other studies on that. It is. I mean, it's, it's a huge market. I mean, it explains why you know, they, 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 they valued Ray very much since the point of when they had him after you know, WCW went away. He was a huge... Yeah. He was huge in so many regards. He was reliable in the ring. You know, he was the great underdog story that everybody that was easy to tell. Uh, he sold merch to kids because he looked like a superhero. He he his name rang bells all all through the the Latino market. So yeah, he I mean it was so then you know then so that makes sense. And you know they went into Del Rio and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, it's a huge market for them. I mean they it's 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 always on the periphery of conversations that they like to to do a big event. You know I don't know about Mania, but they like to do a big 
televised event in Mexico City. It just you know it's always just a matter of logistics and politics and security and everything else. And speaking to what uh, we talked about the other night in theme songs, six one nine is absolutely one of those theme songs that you can bump even if you're not a wrestling fan. <laughs> Back to the theme songs. Come on. <laughs> I'd, I, I really, you really, next, next, I only want it to happen when, 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 when Matt's on, <laughs> you have to, you have to, one of these podcasts put on, um, like, like primetime players or one of the ones you're talking about. We have to just see you. I, I want to see you like in your element, just jamming out to these, these songs. I don't think the people can handle it, Justin. Quite <laughs> I think that's a challenge. Let's see. So let's, let's not, you know, uh, Matt Morgan not here. I'm sure we'll get some heat for this, but uh, go back to Monday's podcast. Matt dropping that he listens to the wrestling album and the wrestlers doing Land of a Thousand Dances. Well, no, didn't he say he listened to the wrestling album like when he was a kid? No, he was saying still sometimes. Oh, know? does he still? He comes back to that. So Matt, you know, driving around, bumping Are You a Real American, like just fist pumping in the air, you know? Oh, I could see him walking into like town council meetings and stuff like that with, with some. Oh, that should totally be his interest music for politics. <laughs> and just in my vision of it, I know it's not true, but my vision of it, Matt Morgan's driving a Corvette, like, you know, like a mid-90s vet, pumping Are You a Real American, driving around, just rolling down the he's window. seven foot pumping. tall. You think he's going to fit in a vet? He's <laughs> not going to fit in a vet. But just what? in my mind. In my mind. Because, you know, you just got to complete the picture sometimes. Um, we'll find out what Matt drives on Monday's podcast. If I had to guess, Morgan drives the biggest tricked out truck possible. <laughs> With like spinning rims. I don't know about that. Not maybe not maybe not that. Maybe Truck not nuts that. on the back. <laughs> I can just see him and he's just he's he's got a truck that is not to be messed with. That's that's what I picture. The yeah, he's in Florida, so he's got like Calvin peeing on Alabama. You know. <laughs> now now we're going into his window decals. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. So the main event last night. Rob's Daniel Bryan, so this podcast. absolutely. Daniel Bryan versus Luke Harper. Uh, man, this was something we had Rowan interfering. This match went on for a long, long time, uh, and then finally Kane came out and saved the day. Got a huge pop. Um, helped. I, had a, I had a moment where I thought maybe Kane was going to choke slam and and and, and like and be, become like the big brother to the Bludgeon Brothers. Oh I yeah. A, I had a moment of th- where I thought it before 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 he struck. Before he struck Carbon Rowan, I had, a, I had a moment of like when he was standing there staring at him, I was waiting for Brian to slowly call, crawl in the ring and then Kane to turn and, and knock Brian out. I had a small moment of it, but we got Team Hell No instead. Uh, do we uh, have confirmation this was Glenn last night? They didn't just put somebody else in the Kane get up and send him out there? I'm pretty sure it was Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> well, you know, for a moment, I mean, we saw uh, Gallows and Anderson backstage with Daniel. Uh, when he was getting ready for it, man, I feel for those guys, they just got a title shot. Like the only thing creative has had for them in the longest time. And that's just, that's over. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Again, it's, it, it, I, I guess this is where we go. You know, we have to make up our mind. We, 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 get, yeah. we get, we get frustrated at the three hour show of raw, but then, but we like the two hour show of SmackDown, but two hours is just less. I mean, just, no, I know, yeah. but I like the idea uh, we were talking about, Last week, maybe Shinsuke, maybe with someone, um, yeah, having having them as uh, you know additional muscle. And with Shinsuke, they could call him Shinsky because they're really into that. So you know, Shinsuke in a uh, canine kennel from hell match. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's got Vince written all over it. Um, Need to dog. So we got uh, That's the best story. <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely, man. So the end of this match, I mean, really was where it was at in looking the shared look, Kane raising his arms, Daniel embracing him in a hug, Paige coming out and saying, hey, we're going to get Team Hell No versus the Bludgeon Brothers with the title on the line, Extreme Rules. Um, I thought this match was great before Kane came out. I mean, come on, Daniel Bryan and Harper. You know, that's uh, Brian Danielson yeah. and Brody Lee, man. I mean, these two guys with just such uh, experience, such storied careers, working the indies in the WWE, seeing them do a match together was fantastic. And I think having Kane come out at the end was just a cherry on top uh, for what should have been a complete throwaway episode of SmackDown. Yeah, no, good match. I thought the same thing you did, you know, think about the fact that they, uh, you know, they obviously they have some uh, pre-WWE history and some great matches and the fact that Harper can show off that he can work, um, you know, like a, like a smaller guy. Uh, yeah, it was a great match, and yeah, it was, you know, it, you did have a feeling. I, I don't remember exactly when it was. I did have a feeling of like, you, whether it was the start time of the match or just I was like, all right, like how do they end this? Like this, you know, it, it, you know, because you figure, okay, he's going against one of the Bludgeon Brothers, so the other Bludgeon Brothers going to get involved. So it's like, it's like it's, it's either going to be somebody's going to come to save Brian, but I had no idea who, and Kane was certainly not in my thought, or it was like, uh, you know, they're going to beat him down, and maybe the Miz comes out, and it's just going to be the complete, you know, decimation of Daniel Bryan. So I was, I was really intrigued to see how they're going to end it, and I, I was happy for the team. I'll know. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, okay, so not the most critical episode of SmackDown Live ever, but with half the roster gone and with yeah. a couple weeks still Extreme Rules, pretty good, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Like I said, I, I think uh, you know, I think it, it, you. I try to judge the show by. Go back and watch. Go back to the segments you know, and just look at the. You can just even read a recap. Really, it, just go to the segments. And say, okay, was there any segment that was a that, that that did not further anything? You know, we can say sanity. You know, didn't get help by getting beat, um, but it did. But it you know, but it did something for Jeff Hardy. And I, I guess you know, I mean, there's moments of sanity look good. But you know, like that's how I try to judge a show. Is say, okay, was were, were things further and progressed? Um, yeah. And for the most part, you know, I think it, it held up a pretty good test. Hey, man, for me, as long as I'm entertained and feel like this is decent use of my time, that's the key. You know, but, yet, just... but, yet, but yet you're not entertained by the, the accents of, of Lana and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and such. And, and... No, I actually really, really like Lana a lot. I thought the dance-off segment was great. I just think that it's, it's funny um, how she'll go back and forth to where you could think either thing about her. You could think like, oh, they dropped the Russian accent a while ago, or that, well, she's trying at least, you know? Well, the moment that they put her on Total Divas, and, and then she we, we hear without it, it's like they kind of just had to go with the fact that she's going to be, uh, you know, Harvey Two-Face, one minute she's going to have it, one minute she's not. So. I, I, I like your idea, though. That should be the story. That, I'm you know, all for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I th- it, that's a commitment as a character. I mean, if you were picking a wrestler wrestling character to do... I mean, would you pick something where it was like, oh, I'm going to have to watch how I talk and talk in character all the time? I mean, go back to Enzo. That's not Enzo's real voice. Enzo still is talking in the Enzo voice now because that's what people expect from him. I think doing a voice affect like that, I mean, that's a commitment, man. Yeah, well, think about the Macho Man. Yeah. Think, think about his entire career and how, how it, the way he spoke defined him. I mean, like, strain yourself nonstop to talk like that. I mean, like, you know, I can only imagine what, like, he felt like at the end of the day when he was behind closed doors and could just speak normally. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It's the same thing, you know, you, you got to make a commitment. It goes back to the face paint thing. Watch the characters you pick. You, you, you can set yourself up for a lot of preparation and a lot of, a lot of, lo- make the days even longer. Face paint, got to get there at noon, put your face paint on. You gotta, oh, oh, they want to do pictures at 4.30, go get your paint on. You can't wait till 7. You got to get it on now. You know, it's, it's commitment. 
I'm surprised there's not vets that are pitching. Like, so Vince got this idea for a character. He's always wearing uh, athletic shorts and a hoodie. Looks like he always just rolled out of bed. That's his thing. He, he always just woke up in time for a match. I mean, I'm not – see, and this is going to be taken the wrong, wrong way, but everything you just described right there, like, is Kevin Owens. I like Kevin Owens. I like Kevin Owens. So you know, before Kevin Owens gets mad at me, I like Kevin Owens. He's slovenly. He looks whatever. like maybe he needs a haircut or a shave. He's got gym shorts on and a team. I mean, we know what. Like, I mean, everything you just described was Kevin Owens. But um, anyways, cleaned up nice last night. Did you see the footage of him at uh, his beloved Shania Twain concert? I did. And tell me if I'm the only one. When I saw the clip, when I'm watching the clip, and he's on, and he, the an interaction with he and Shania on the stage, and then they start putting over like Braun Strowman. I was waiting to hear Braun, his music hit, him walk on the stage. Shania, you better move. You're gonna get these hands. And then he choke slams Kevin off the stage in Montreal, and then he sings, "Man, I feel like a woman." I was waiting I, for it to happen. I thought they were building to something similar. Uh, Kevin did not get to hear <laughs> his favorite Shania song. But, man, I mean, that was that was a, an elaborate bit. Could you imagine? I mean, now Wrestling Canada is much bigger. But I think about a lot of concerts I've been to, and if they brought a WWE superstar on stage, 90% of the audience would just be like, who in the hell is this person? Right. Uh, but I guess in Montreal with Kevin Owens, it kind of worked. Yeah, no, because it, it did go on for – I mean, I mean, she pulled him – she. She pulled him out of the crowd. They walked all the way through. So yeah, it was like it was like a, it was like it was gonna be a big setup to to build to something. Um, that was, that's funny. That, that was cool. That was it was a good one of those things that makes you smile to watch. Hey, uh, SummerSlam. I'm just saying. I can see Vince thinking today. So Kevin, we got you in one corner, and we got Shania Twain, and in the other corner we got Braun Strowman and Celine Dion. And you guys are gonna just fight it out. Vince doesn't know. Vince doesn't know who Shania Twain is. I think that's probably the last current popular female artist that Vince is aware of is Shania Twain. No, Vince. Vince for music, Vince knows ACDC and and the things that he listens to in the gym when he works out. Have you ever seen Shania Twain in concert? I have. She's pretty good. I, you know, I've I've heard good things about her. Uh, she was married to uh, what Mutt Lang for a while, so I know her records. Even if you don't like uh, her style of music, her records sound incredible. How about so she was married to Mutt Lang? How about they got divorced? He married. He married the woman that he ended up having an affair with or, or, or cheated on Shania with. Shania ended up marrying the man who was married to the girl that went with Mutt. Yeah. So basically they, they switched. That's the same. Justin, this is like hanging out watching TV with my wife. This is <laughs> the level of trivia, you know, the walking Wikipedia of Shania Twain trivia. That, uh, I feel honest. Well, so yes. if, if, if this is sitting around with your wife, then you should be comfortable <laughs> around me to go ahead and put some wrestling theme music on and start. That's true. That's true. We do uh, sometimes rock out to that together. Um, and then I, I go off on my tirade about how I hate Dolph Ziggler's theme, but it gets stuck in my head. I'm like, it's just, it's the worst song. Like, what were they going for with this? But it just like burrows its way into my brain and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I don't like the whole record scratch. It comes out to, I don't know. I'm, I'm over the whole thing with that. But yeah, now I just think of Cricket Wireless every time I hear it. Yes, name. yes. My God. <laughs> They're still showing those ads. Props to them. They hammered the if they hammered Cricket Wireless. I, I'll I already have I already have a phone. I, I like I don't know if Verizon will pay for us. I have a nice Verizon uh, coverage. I will I will go buy a Cricket phone that I don't even need if it means they can stop running the damn commercials. <laughs> I will, I hey, know. you know I, I will I will get a burner phone. I don't even need a burner <laughs> phone. I will get a burner phone <laughs> if they would just stop playing the Cricket commercials. So it's been about a year now that they've been running that. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I think that that's probably, in recent memory, the longest-running commercial with WWE talent in it. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, and some, I mean, it's not even good, you know, like, I mean, you know, Mick Foley and Chef Boyardee, that was fun, and, uh, you know, I don't know, there's been some others of the history. This is just, I don't even like this one. I guess what Rusev is doing, like, a commercial for Publix or something like that, some grocery market. Yeah, yeah him and Lawler are in, uh, in a commercial. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, but that's regional, so I'm not privy to that here in California. Uh, instead, I, I keep, you know, hearing about pizza dropping insurance and uh, that damn Skittles box commercial that's been on the better part of my adult, adult life, you know? You pathetic Californian. You're not deserving. <sighs> What's up? Why did Bosley change their ads? That's what I want to know. Now, Bosley's got the music and the effects. Bring me back Mike the Engineer talking about I can mess his hair up if he wants to mess his hair up. They used to be the highlight of my week. What are you talking about Bosley for? Talk about Dollar Shave. That's true. It's true. Oh, man. Dollar Shave Club. Good luck finding that in a store. Oh, man. So, uh, WWE TV deals, speaking of TV and commercials, I think WWE commercials are going to get marginally better when they go to Fox in 2019. They announced the deal five years, SmackDown going to Fox Friday nights, and it will be live, two-hour show. And Raw staying uh, for the next five years, starting in 2019 to 2024, on the USA Network. This will be, uh, you know, WWE's never really had the situation where they've been, they've had the, the, the since having Raw and SmackDown, they've, you know, they've always been under, like, the same overall umbrella, you know. Like, so the fact that they're going to be on two competitive, you know, one's with NBC Universal, one's with Fox, that's going to be very, uh, just, just uh, and everything. You can think about anything. It's going to be fun and interesting to watch. Does both shows have... You know, USA, you know, they let them go to like, you know, seven minutes past the, the final. You know, so like, will will there be an overrun on both shows? Will you know, we you see not overrun on Fox? The affiliates will revolt. Okay, so so right, so you have that. Um, you know, how's what's the format's going to be? Like, you know, like well, on, on SmackDown, we see picture in picture for you know for all of the commercial breaks except for like two, so you can still see the match that's going on. Like, so will we see that kind of thing? Um, and then I think it was. Um, I want to make sure I give him credit. I, I think it was Bischoff. I think uh, if it's, if it wasn't, I'm sure somebody will correct me. I think it was Bischoff who said, and, and, and Bischoff, a television person who knows, and he's absolutely right. It's it, it's inevitable that you'll have if they continue with the brand split that you're going to have one, you know, one show is going to have a star and maybe a new emerging star. Somebody's going to take off, and then you're going to have the execs on the opposite network going, "Well, hey, we want a little bit of that guy," or "Hey, we want this," or "Hey, how come this celebrity or athlete made this cameo that's all over the news here? We want to have that over here." Like I, I do feel like they could be. Setting themselves up for Vince is going to be constantly having to uh, be stuck in the middle, appeasing both sides, uh, both networks. I'll be, I'll be really watching that come, you know, October of 2019. How, uh, how that is having WWE on two completely separate entities. Yeah, we'll see, man. It's going to be a trip. Um, I think very much uh, at the start of it, SmackDown. I don't know, SmackDown right now. What they're doing is pretty darn good, but I would not be surprised if you know, Rock and Roman are still in the picture then if they do not get moved to SmackDown or they come up, you know, I'm sure free agent John Cena will be making appearances for the first couple of weeks. They're definitely going to load up the star power there. But with Raw, I mean, it's just, it's it's going to be so different having more of that balance. And then, and then we'll have to watch SmackDown come, you know, they're promised Fox 52 weeks of live programming. So then when you get to WrestleMania weekend, you know, I wouldn't be shocked because, look, you know, we all know that the final SmackDown before WrestleMania, you know, it's not, you're not going to, they're not really going to have much going on, especially if, if it was the Friday before Mania Sunday. So I think, I wouldn't be shocked if they do something crazy come like WrestleMania weekend where, um, you know, if, if they have to give Fox two hours of live programming, move NXT TakeOver, have it air live, have that TakeOver on Mania weekend air live on Fox Friday night. 
mm. still ar- still archive on the network and then move the Hall of Fame back to Saturday. Like, you know, I, I, I'd really be interested to see uh, what they do because they're going to have to do something to give them live programming. But, I mean, you know, uh, you know what, what are you going to have? Nothing's going to happen of significance on a SmackDown 48 hours prior to WrestleMania. So it's almost like that's a waste of a SmackDown. Well, don't don't tempt fate, man. Come WrestleMania 2020, we could very well see that scenario where I'm sure there'll be some stipulation. I mean, it'll, it'll probably be minor, not a complete match made, but stipulation, some shade, someone added something. There are things they can do, but it won't be anything major. But again, remember, they just you know had an Undertaker match at this last WrestleMania that was never officially confirmed. True. Yeah, even going into Mania. I'd be interested if they would be willing to move like a takeover, like I said, to, for a special situation like that. Yeah, maybe. To get, to get the exposure. Cool. Well, let's wrap it up here for today. Uh, we'll be back Monday night. Talk about Monday Night Raw. And uh, Justin, where can people find your stuff on the web? At Justin Labar. It's got everything for me. It's got my audio podcast. It's got CSR video clips that we do here for Wrestling Inc. Uh, it's got links, but I think we are sold out for our Something to Wrestle With show with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson here in Pittsburgh on Extreme Rules Weekend. Um so, yeah, at Justin Labar, best place to go. That's where you can find me and uh, pester me. Excellent. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. You can find me on Twitter, at Glenn Rubenstein. And uh, appreciate a follow on there. I live tweet along with Raw and SmackDown uh, and oftentimes NXT as well. So until next time, folks, we'll see you back here Monday on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. <laughs>